welcome to another episode of the USF Health Morsani College of Medicine podcast. We are talking tips and tricks for residency applications in this series, and I am delighted to have with me Dr. Hala Dow Rogers, who is currently a PGY2 in dermatology. And Dr. Rogers, Hala, my friend, I'm so happy to have you, and I'm really appreciative of your time this morning. Tell us a little bit about where you are in your journey now. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I am currently a PGY2 in dermatology um, at MedStar Georgetown's program in Washington, D.C. Um, moved up here about a year ago now, a year and some change to do my internship here as well at Washington Hospital Center. And I currently live in Alexandria, Virginia. Wonderful. So I know dermatology is one of the more competitive specialties. So I thought maybe you could start by talking a little bit about when you decided that's what you wanted to do, how you went about preparing yourself and, you know, any tips that you might have for others thinking about not dermatology specifically, but just competitive specialties in general. Yeah. So, um, going into medical school, just through talking to other physicians and thinking ahead to what I wanted my life to look like and what generally interested me, I knew that dermatology was on my radar. Um, I have no physicians in my family. Um, so I was by no means sold out on any one specialty, but I kind of told myself that I would assume I wanted to do the most competitive thing I was interested in. And then if I changed my mind through preclinicals and clerkships, that that would be fine because I had prepared myself for something harder to match. And so then I would have the research and the expertise to definitely help me get into something less competitive. So because Durham was very competitive, I just kind of went in with the mindset of, you know, do my best academically, get involved with research, get involved with the interest groups. Um, and then throughout my minimal exposure versus second year, but then my rotations third and fourth year, it just really was confirmed that I wanted to be an outpatient clinician. Um, and then further that I wanted to specifically be a dermatologist. Um, I think that preparing for competitive specialties, that's the number one mindset is you need to start from the first day of medical school. If, if a competitive specialty is anywhere on your radar, just assuming that, that that's what you're going for, keeping an open mind, but keeping that in the back of your, you know, everything that you do, I'm, I'm possibly going to pursue this. Therefore I should be looking for research. I should be trying to excel academically. I sh you know, I should be trying to achieve these things. And then a pleasant surprise might come along where you want to do something different. Um, and you don't have to work as hard, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think networking, making connections early on. I mean, it was really hard as a first year knowing what networking even meant. Um, I feel like in medicine, there's not always a defined path for finding mentors in your field or, or knowing how to network per se, but um, just any little bit I could find. And I know I did that with you, Valerie, of just, do you, we had a connection and then I asked, do you know any dermatologists? You know, I might be specifically interested in this region. Do you know anyone there? And 
you'd be pleasantly, I think, surprised by how far someone's network can reach just coincidentally. Um, I know for me, a big reason why I wound up here is one of my mentors at USF, who was a dermatologist, happened to know a dermatologist in this program um, through her training, through her husband's training, because they had trained at Hopkins together. And so then she was able to connect me. So yeah, just really trying to find connections um, that helps too with those competitive specialties. Yeah. And I think your point, um, even though we're not talking about the, you know, the, the art of networking, but I think your point is a good one that you never know who knows who, and it's, that's how it works. It's that little bit of a one tentacle leads to two, leads to four, leads to however many. So that's really good advice. How did you go about finding research? So I won't lie. It was very difficult. Um, and what's interesting is I don't think that was necessarily a program specific thing. I, I'm finding the same thing where I am now. What's interesting about dermatology is you need a lot of research to get into it. But then once the you're in, people don't really want, aren't as maybe research inclined as they were that they, as they were previously when they were trying to get research to get into the specialty. So what's hard for a medical student is a lot of the residents don't really have a ton of research going on. So what I did in medical school is I went a different route because we had Moffitt Cancer Center at our fingertips, which is an incredible institution. I loved my time there. Um, but I reached out to the surgical oncology physicians because they were pumping out tons of melanoma research. Um, and it, I mean, obviously Moffitt is just a power machine when it comes to cancer research. So I think if anyone were interested in any competitive specialty, that would be a good place to look because they have lots of different facets um, of just interests. But yeah, I, I reached out to a surgical oncologist there. I did a big summer um, kind of research fellowship with him between first and second year and basically treated it like more than a nine, like an eight to five job, um, five days a week. And that's just all I did was research. And I, that summer in itself was how I got most of my publications that I was able to have on my CV for, um, interviews. Yeah, that's, I hear that a lot from med students, how difficult it is hard. Yeah. Fine research. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know that you, when you were contemplating programs, you had a significant other who is now your husband, obviously. And there were some considerations around that. And I wonder, even though you didn't have to go through couples match because he's not in medicine, I think there were still some conversations. So I'm, and I know there must be other medical students who are going to face that, you know, how, how did you approach that? And, and how did that go for you? Yeah, I mean, it basically was a couple's match because <laughs> I knew him being an attorney and being barred only in certain places that, um, and just there being stronger markets in certain areas of the country that it would be unrealistic. I mean, he could make it work, but it just a lot of areas, if I matched in a random state, you know, out West or in the Midwest, it would be difficult for him to find a good practice. Um, and he already had a job offer in two, in a, with a firm that had branches in two cities. Um, and so early on, like I told you, I, I was reaching out and trying to find connections, particularly in those two cities. 
Um, and it was very difficult. You know, people kind of gave me the eyebrows up a lot because Durham is already very hard to get into. And then having a specific, you know, city that is on your radar is even a little, maybe more unrealistic. Um, but I think what I found through the process is I, th I think people underestimate how much ardent interest can come through and work in your favor. Um, I think people try to cast really broad nets, but program directors pick up on that. And what I did was I was just very honest. And with my top three programs, I told them they were my top programs. And I basically did everything I could to show them that they were my top programs, whether that was one of them. I worked really hard on a research project with one of the faculty, another one of the programs. I was attending almost all of their virtual didactics from Florida. Um, and then with the Florida program, USF's program, which I loved, I worked my tail off as an AI. And I think you can't do that for a million programs if you're applying to every Durham program in the country. But if you really are showing, like I said, ardent, genuine interest in a few, they pick up on that. And I think that went a, a really long way with, with the DC program. And that's part of why I matched here. Very good advice. And then you had another pretty significant life event that happened. Yeah, um, slightly more, <laughs> no, not more significant, but, but a whole, definitely more difficult. <laughs> yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. So um, I found out I was pregnant pretty soon after graduating MS4, and that was not intentional. My husband and I definitely knew we wanted to have a child within the next few years, um, but intentionally being pregnant and giving birth during interim year, I don't know that it would be like my top baby tip, <laughs> um, <laughs> but we made it work. And yeah, so I found out that was after I had matched, after we had already planned on moving up to DC. It was at first very shocking because my whole family is in Florida. Um, so yeah, just already moving to a new city can be a borderline traumatic event, trauma in a good way and a bad way, or just like a change, a stress. And um, then like having another little human in the picture made it even more stressful. Um, but there were also a lot of great things from my experience. And now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't know, looking back, I don't necessarily know if I would change it, but I think that's largely because I had a really, really supportive intern program and just program in general with the Durham department here. Yeah, I know we talked during that that time and, you know, you were sort of trying to figure out exactly how to approach sharing that with your program. And, you know, is there anything you learned or any advice you would have for someone during that that may be going through that because life does happen to all of us, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I'd say first, just to share something that I think is difficult for women in medicine is your whole life. You want your, your whole life is trying to be the best and excelling. And there's this thing going on in the back of your mind that, you know, sexism is real and I'm, I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to be just the same as all my male colleagues. And that's true up until you're pregnant. And then that's literally something that your male colleagues will not have to deal with. And so it was the first time in my life where I actually really did feel 
weaker and I'm using air quotes. You can't see them right now on this podcast, but I felt like, Oh, this is a weakness as a female that's going to show through. And I did my initial reaction was, you know, I just want to minimize it and be the least amount of burden as possible and continue to excel. And I don't want them to think that this is a female thing and regret having a female physician. And I felt like I had to put the whole, you know, the future of females in medicine in general, (laughs) like we are not weak. And even when we're pregnant, we, it, it just was, there were so many existential things going through my, my head. First of all, I think that that was just a bit much. I think you just need to take it one day at a time and it will show through that you're doing the best you can. And if you're a hard worker, that takes you a long way pregnant or not. Um, but I'd say second, I, I think being open and telling the program as soon as possible. I mean, obviously within whatever makes you feel comfortable, I wouldn't necessarily tell them the day you find out you're pregnant, but I found that being honest and telling the chiefs and telling the program director upfront right away was helpful for me because it allowed them to plan ahead and it allowed them to accommodate things that I don't know if they otherwise would have been able to accommodate and I, I understand that that put it puts them in a difficult position if you're last minute, you know, telling them maybe in the second trimester or end of the second trimester, and they haven't been able to change up schedules for you. But because I told them early on, I mean, they were very understanding about maternity leave. I had a great maternity leave of eight weeks, and that's insane for a resident um, to get. And I also had all of my difficult rotations front loaded. So I got, you know, six weeks of the ICU, two weeks of nights, a lot of my wards out of the way early on so that once I did have the baby, I was on a lot of elective rotations. And again, they wouldn't have been able to plan for that if I hadn't told them right away. So that's my word of advice. And you're in a program. um, I just happened to be chief resident at that program. Uh, a long, long time ago. So I understand the what you're saying about early notification because it it does make it much easier to try to move people around. But how many how many interns were in that program? And do you think that just the sheer number of people made it a little bit easier? Would it be more challenging? Yeah, I mean that's a huge point. Um, there were more than forty interns in my class, and so. Yeah, it was it was fairly easy. I don't want to say it was easy. It was easier than it would have been had we had a smaller class. That's for sure. Yeah, it does help. But but I think overall the the advice of, you know, get your sea legs around the 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 knowledge of your pregnancy and then, you know, don't wait and drop it on them when it's kind of the last minute and you can't avoid telling them any, any longer because it you're is going to become obvious. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> wait until you're showing to announce it is how I would describe it. Yeah. You don't need right. to tell them right away, but I wouldn't wait too, too late into the pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, think I, I would think waiting until you're sort of beyond maybe the first trimester kind of mm-hmm. when things get a little bit more stable and you're, you know, those sorts of things, but yeah, yeah. Good advice. I mean, you, you have navigated through some amazing challenges along your journey. And I mean, from working hard, competitive specialty, deciding to get married, 
then having a child, I mean, I, is there anything that you would do differently if you had it to do differently? And I don't mean not get married or not have a baby, but just were there, were there ways of handling something that now that you look back, you go, wow, if I'd known then I might've done it this way, or I might've, you know, done it differently in some way. Yeah. I've actually reflected on this before and I don't know that, I mean, it's an interesting question. I have trouble ever saying that I regret, um, morally neutral decisions is how I put it. So like decisions to go to schools or, or pursue specialties or make moves, because even if maybe it was an uncomfortable time, it kind of makes, it made me who I am today. Um, so unless I like wronged someone, that's the morally neutral part. Then of course I have regret about that, but yeah, it was all, it was all very difficult. <laughs> Looking back, there've been a lot of difficulties. I think if I could change something, I would just tell myself to stress a little bit less. Um, and that's easy to say now because everything's kind of worked out. So yeah, if my future self could go back and just affirm that everything's going to work out. <laughs> I do think a, a base, a small level of stress is good to kind of get a fire under your butt. I mean, you can't just be totally relaxed and say dermatology and DC will work out and then not pursue any avenues that would get you there. Um, but yeah, just stressing a little less and taking a chill pill once in a while and um, just kind of having faith that things will work out if I do the best I can. I think mm -hmm. that would have been nice. Yeah. And I wonder, so I'm going to reflect just very briefly, you know, when I've gone through difficult times, it, it was sometimes hard for me to allow other people to support me and help me because, you know, I am woman, I can do this. Did you have any of those feelings? And is there any advice you would give anyone about letting other folks help you, letting your family support you, relying on people, you know, not yeah, lean into that. So I think, you know, during medical school, I lived near my family and I saw my mom specifically probably about once a week. And she was very awesome, would cook for me sometimes. I mean, it was great seeing her. I never had the the um feeling though that I was, you know, too dependent. I still had this sense of independence and it didn't make me uncomfortable. I'd say the period of my life where I had to swallow a big old humility pill is currently because I depend on other people a lot. And it's really hard as a female, you know, again, this goes back to so many existential things and bigger picture of we, we feel like we have to do it all on our own and we have to prove ourselves and we have to push forward and put our heads down and get everything done because that's who we are. And I mean, mm -hmm. I women, we're so strong, but we put so much pressure on ourselves to be independent that I don't think men really think about and they don't mind being dependent creatures necessarily. Uh, but yeah, so I think just accepting... <laughs> I need people in my life and I need someone to help me right now because I literally cannot be a physician, be a mother and have a functioning house while staying mentally sane. Um, 
is it's okay that I'm in this period where I need people. And if you hit that period sooner and you're in medical school or you're in your residency, even without a baby, and you feel like I need someone to lean on, that's totally fine. And I think, yeah, just, just accepting that. And it's part of being human and we don't need to be these autonomous robots. I think that that would be my biggest thing. You're not an autonomous robot and that is okay. You're not meant to be. Yep. I also flipped it around a little bit during that time frame, And I thought, you know, I actually, as a, as a human, if I have a friend or a loved one going through something difficult, I want to help them. I, it's actually helpful to me to be helpful to them. And so that's how I kind of looked at it. When I had to reach out, I would be like, you know, they've offered their support they're probably going to really appreciate being able to support and help me. It gives them purpose. And so I, that's how I rationalized, I guess, my way through it because it was hard to ask, um, hard to ask for help. So anyway, I, I think it goes back to what I mentioned, the humility. I mean, it's just a kind of a hit to your pride and it shouldn't be, but it feels like one where you mm-hmm. have to admit that you need help or that you need support. Um, yeah. So it's hard, but yeah. it's so wonderful. I agree when you're on the other end and someone accepts your emotional or, or physical support, it's a beautiful thing. And it's something that we're, I think we're meant to do as humans. So, yep. Yep. I agree. Well, as usual, Hala, these, these chats that we have go very quickly and we managed to get through baby naps. So that's good. Yes. <laughs> so happy. Any, anything else that we haven't touched on that you were thinking about would be good, good advice or good perspective for some of the folks who may be listening to this? I think, yeah, message I specifically want to send to medical students, if there are any students listening, um, is you are probably going to be the result of the five people you spend the most time with. And so in medical school, there are a lot of people who stress a lot and complain a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you're specifically even go any for any specialty, but also for a competitive specialty, is that if that's something on your radar, positivity goes a really long way. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And enjoying medical school, enjoying the people that you're with, trying to find a way to enjoy studying, even though that's difficult sometimes, but whether that's finding a beautiful space, I mean, you're at USF, you're in one of the most beautiful places ever. Looking out over the water from the USF building is an insane opportunity. So just finding joy, finding joyful people, finding positive people, that's really important. And that will probably take you way further academically, honestly, than surrounding yourself with people that feel like they have to do a road specialty and are hiding themselves away in a cabinet somewhere studying 12 hours a day. Don't get me wrong. Studying is so important and getting, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You need to get good grades and good scores. But I think that the best, one of the best things I did was only really trying to study with people that were happy people and positive people. mental health is really important. And if you're not happy and mentally healthy, it's really hard 
to do well academically. So that would be my word of advice. Very good advice. I think that can extend to life in general. You know, you're surrounding yourself with people that I would say bring out the best in you as opposed to drive you into those dark places of, of anger and complaining. That's definitely the former is far better than the latter, I think, for sure. Uh, so. Yes. And real well, quick, just a thought from that. Uh, complaining can be cathartic and good, but there's always going to be something to complain about. <laughs> so I think finding the line of, yeah, sometimes I'll complain and I need to get that off my chest, but there's a, there can sometimes be a culture of just complaining all the time. And I also think that's not helpful. So yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Hala. It's been nice to see you. Yes. You know, I yeah. used to see each other a lot more often when you were in Tampa. So it's nice to see yeah. you. And, and I, you know, I'll be in touch because I am excited to see Avonlea grow up and how you well, and we're Austin We're going do. to make the return eventually. So yes, hopefully yeah. we'll be seeing you soon. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. If you have ideas for future podcasts, or if you would like to be a guest, please let me know at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E 25 at usf.edu. Thank you so much for listening.